and welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello everyone, I am 38 weeks pregnant, ready to pop, and currently pinched something in my my back that's causing me not to be able to walk, so that's always fun. So maybe by the time you hear this, maybe I'll have a baby, wouldn't that be awesome? I wanted to welcome our amazing guest today, Crystal Payne. Crystal has been on the show before, talking about money-saving deals and motherhood, But motherhood has looked a lot different for Crystal over the last year. She struggled with years of infertility and after I believe was like a 10 year gap from her youngest son, she surprisingly got pregnant and that was after pursuing becoming eligible for foster care and welcoming another little boy into their home for several months and they have an ongoing connection with Champ as well. It is just the most beautiful, beautiful story of a mother's love in every form. So since we talked last, now she has her baby girl, she has Champ in her life, and she's talking about all the things, including her new book, Love-Centered Parenting, where she shares about some struggles, particularly that one child experienced that she never saw coming. And she's incredibly vulnerable in that book and in the podcast today, and I'm so excited to chat with her today. All right, I'm so excited to welcome back to the show Crystal Payne today. Hi, Crystal. Hello, I'm excited to be here. Yay, a lot has changed in your life since the last time, so I'll definitely link back to the first episode, which is still relevant, but you've added to your family in more ways than one. Congratulations on your new biological child and your foster baby champ. Thank you so much. What a whirlwind. What what was it like to, I mean, what was the gap between Silas and finding out you were pregnant again after so many years of thinking it wasn't going to happen? It was crazy. (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it because we had wanted to have kids for a long time and we hadn't used any form of birth control and we were really hoping to have more kids and then it just wasn't happening and you know it's like it had been five years and then six years and then seven years and eight years and finally kind of around the nine-ish year mark we were like you know our biological clocks are ticking and if we you know maybe it's time that we check into some things. And so we went ahead and we went to a fertility clinic and we got a lot of testing done and kind of really invasive testing because we were open to doing IVF and all that. And we were really excited because, you know, this is how we were going to grow our family. And then we went for the appointment that was when we were supposed to be told our plan, like, here's your plan of action. Here's what's going to work for you guys. And they told us that we weren't candidates for anything, including IVF and, um, it was just devastating. And so we had grieved that loss and then moved on and then God had called us to foster care. And so we were in the final, final um, stages of getting licensed as foster parents. We'd gone through, it's a quite a lengthy process to get that all taken care of. And so we were actually having our last 
visit with our home study worker to get our house signed off on. And I had just been feeling really, really stressed and sick to my stomach. And I'd had a headache and I'd just been so anxious. And it was very weird. Like I'm usually super even keel. And this was just weird. And finally I realized, you know, I'm two weeks late. And I told my husband, I said, maybe I'm going through early menopause or something because I don't know what's going on. This doesn't make any sense. And so he was, um, he said, well, you know, why don't you call your OB and maybe they can run some tests and, um, see if you're going through early menopause. And I said, well, you know, I'm two weeks late. So you know what they're going to say, you know, did you take a pregnancy test? And cause I was 30, uh, 38 at the time and obviously hadn't gone through menopause. Yeah. Yet. yeah. So, um, so he was like, okay, I'll go get a test. We'll take it. And then you can call them. And so I, it was, it was the craziest thing. Cause he brings the test home and there was like a little part of me in the back of my head that was like, well, all these symptoms are really weird, but like we can't have kids. So right. you know, it, but the thought never even crossed his mind. Like he literally, he brought the, he had gone to Walgreens, got the pregnancy test. He brought it home, gave it to me. And then he left, like he, like he walked out the room and like the thought never crossed his mind that there would be, you know, and so I take this test and it's one of those digital tests. Uh-huh. And, um, I had never taken those before because it's been a long time since I took a pregnancy <laughs> test. And, and so as soon as I take it, it says pregnant. And I was so confused because I was like, Oh, well maybe it's, since it's a digital test, maybe it takes a little while for it to say not. <laughs> so I just like sat there and I waited for the not to come up and I waited like three minutes and and it did not come up. And I was like, I, I don't even know. I, I mean, how? What? How? You know? Yes. So I, I go and I call my husband and I say, uh, can you come look at this pregnancy test? I think it's messed up or something. And then, you know, but it, all of a sudden it like hits us all the different symptoms that I've been having for the last few weeks. Everything made sense. And so we just laughed and cried. But then we, we took, uh, I had to take, I took another non-digital pregnancy test. And again, it was just, you know, right away. There it is. And then, but then I was like, I just, I still can't believe it. So then we had to go into the doctor and I had to get them, had them do a sonogram so I could actually see the heart beating on there. And then I was like, she's like, yep, there's a baby in there. Oh (laughs) my, that is the wildest story Hey everyone, I know you're loving getting into Crystal's story, but I wanted to thank a show sponsor, and that is Pipette. Pipette is the clean baby and mom care brand that I've been talking about recently that has a mission to give every family the best start. And of course, we consider a lot of factors when we become parents, and we want what's best for our kids. And Pipette has quickly become a customer favorite for its ultra-gentle baby lotions, oils, and washes. And right now, you can even score 30% off the entire collection of personal care items. So Pipette is new to me, and I'm so excited to use these products with my baby because I don't know if you knew this, I didn't, that when babies are born, their skin is coated with this creamy substance called vernix. And there's a powerful natural protection for newborns in those first few hours after birth. But as you bathe your baby, that moisturizer, that godsend moisturizer that naturally coats them is washed away. And there's an ingredient called squalene that is able to be put onto your baby's skin to again, protect and absorb into your baby's skin during that precious, precious time. And that newborn skin, there's nothing like it. And Pipette products have squalene as one of their leading ingredients. 
Also, the FDA only bans 12 potentially harmful ingredients in skincare products. Pipette bans more than 2,000. These are safe, effective products that I would love for you to try out for your family. Visit pipettebaby.com and get 30% off with code EMP. I hope you enjoy these products for your new little one. You were pursuing the path of foster care that you thought, well, this, this is great too. Like this is our next chapter. This is our next season. Here you are in the very final stages, not the beginning stages. <laughs> and literally here you, here you are. What, what did that teach you? Or like, did it shift anything in terms of faith or planning or goal setting or anything like that? You know, there's so many lessons from this that I've learned. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things is just that it's God's timing. Like, you know, that you just, and we just had to laugh because when I took the test, I was literally getting ready to have five of the fullest packed weeks that I had all year long. I I was launching this big new course that I had worked really hard on. And then I had multiple travel things. I had just was getting ready to go fly out to sign the book contract for my three book contract, like that I, yeah. I never expected I was going to write another book. Like it was just the timing of all of it. Plus we were, you know, getting ready to say yes to foster care. And so we just had to laugh and at the same time be like, okay, God, you, you are at the helm of this ship and we are just going to have to be along for the ride because we don't have any clue what you have in store for us. And we're just going to trust you. And so we did. And, you know, it was, it was really hard to be very sick and then having to do lots of webinars and different things like that to promote this course and then be traveling and speaking. But God was so faithful and he, he just, he carried me through. Mm -hmm. And then, for us to continue to stay on the path for fostering. And um, then, you know, it ended up that we said yes to champ. Um, We brought him home from the NICU four weeks or I was 35 weeks. And then I had her at 39 weeks. So um, four weeks before Kirsten was born. And so then we had these two babies in the middle of the pandemic when he was in the NICU was when everything shut down. um, And, so it was just this weird timing all over the world, and we have two babies. So the other interesting thing was, you know, people didn't see us for eight to ten or longer weeks, and then so we go into the pandemic, and we come out, and we have two babies. <laughs> so- <laughs> yes, yes, that would be a shocking reemergence. Most of us don't come out of the pandemic quite like that. Sometimes some of us have gained the COVID fifteen, but that is that's next level, Crystal. <laughs> Wow. I know. I'll just never forget seeing you holding your sweet baby champ in the NICU, so pregnant and just loving him. And were you surprised by the connection that you had with him or was it what you thought it would be? Tell tell me about that. Yes. You know, it's hard to really describe. You you always wonder if you haven't adopted or fostered, you know, you always wonder is it possible to have the same sort of connection? And and maybe that sounds cynical, but I've just always wondered, you yeah. know? And I remember when we walked into the NICU, the very first time we got to meet him, and he's just this teeny tiniest little baby, and he's all wrapped up. And 
as I was just this instant, like I just fell in love with him and they had just wanted us to come up to kind of, to meet him because they wanted us to get a feel for, he was going to be medically fragile and going to have some extra needs. And they weren't sure whether it was just interesting because we said yes. And they kept being like, no, you need to come meet him. You know, Mm. they kept saying, you need to come meet him first. And I was like, no, yes. Like we absolutely will take him. And, um, and so then we went up to meet him and, you know, just to, to look down at him and just, we had no idea what God was going to do and what his story, you know, was going to be such a big part of our life and really change our life in such a profound way. And, um, it's just been the most beautiful thing because, um, throughout the process of just having our hearts broken, mm-hmm. um, because foster care is, it's all of these emotions at once because, it's, you know, where you don't know the future, um, what's going to happen. You don't know, are you going, is this child going to be your forever child or are they going to reunify and what's that going to look like? And could, could they call tomorrow and say, okay, you know, it's time for him to reunify. We have a family member that's going to take him and then, you never see him again. I mean, you know, there's just so many unknowns and then it's the unknown of like, I don't have control over his life. I I am loving him as my own, but I don't get to make any decisions for him. Like that's completely out of my control. And, um, it was just, I feel like the last year God has just broken our hearts, but also brought so much joy. And, um, he has reunified with his mom, with his mom now, which has just been this beautiful redemption story. Mm. And, um, she now has full custody of him, but we get to continue to be in his life. And that is just the most beautiful gift. Like yeah. he had his, his birthday the other night and she had had this birthday party for him and she sent us all these pictures. He was smashing his cake all over his face, you know, and we just have, it's, it's hard to describe this bond that we have with him and how much love we have for him. And I think for our kids and especially just to see my husband, the love that he has for not only the sweet little boy, but also for his mom and yeah. for us to get to love her and to just really walk with her and support her. Um, it's just, it's been a really beautiful gift. Oh, thank you for sharing all that. That is, it just brings tears to my eyes thinking of the power of God sending down a little being that just he knew would be well taken care of because of willing servants like you guys to say yes and to help the mother along. And I'm so glad it's been an overall positive experience, that reunification and that you get still get to be in his life. That is Oh, that is just so, so wonderful. And we're going to talk a lot about your other kids in your new book, um, Love Centered Parenting. A few years ago, you had some real challenges with your, with your kids and knowing that they, like all kids, have challenges, have emotions, have reactions to, to life and things and everything. I think one common fear that people have is that heartbreak that comes with foster care and, and the uncertainty and everything. Were you worried about your kids at all as you welcomed and loved on this sweet baby boy and didn't know what that future would look like? Or, or how did you prepare your kids for that? You know, that was one of the reasons why I 
really struggled to say yes to foster care. Um, we had some friends who were fostering and getting to watch their journey. I, I felt this tug on my heart and I'd really had a heart for adoption and foster care for a long time, but I just felt like, you know, I don't think my kids, I just think it'll be too much for them, especially for my one child who I talk about a lot in Love Center Parenting, who has had some struggles and um, struggles with some mental illness things. And I just thought it might be too much because this particular child, if there's a lot of upheaval or if there are unknowns or if there's if, if things don't go according to the plan, it can just really cause this child to get very triggered and um, deregulated. And um, so there was a lot of that of me just having to say, okay, God, I feel like you are calling us to this and I'm going to trust you for that. And I don't know how this is going to end and I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm just, I'm going to trust you. And I remember my friend who she, um, is the one who they fostered. And when we were talking about it, she said, I think your kids will surprise you. Mm. And they did. They, it was just beautiful. And I will say that, um, seeing them fall in love with a sweet little boy and his mom, like getting for them to see the transformation of someone who works really, really, really hard to, um, you know, change their life so that they can, you know, be in a better place. And I think it's changed all of our perspectives on how quick we are to judge people or to write people off or to look down on someone and to see that, um, there is, you know, there is hope and redemption for anyone. So long as you're breathing, um, there is, there is still hope. And so that has been a really beautiful thing to see them just, I think, have a lot more compassion and empathy, mm-hmm. but then also them getting the opportunity to love him so well and have to make a lot of sacrifices. They made a lot of sacrifices when we had both babies and he had a lot of extra needs. And so they were helping in the middle of the night, even they were doing lots of bottles and diaper changes. And just, you know, when we would go places, once the things had kind of opened back up again, you know, they were not able to just kind of do whatever they wanted to do. They had to be a real help and we were a family team. And, um, you know, I think that it was really good for them, but it was hard. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat whenever we found out for sure that he was going to go back to his mom. Um, you know, I say they don't prepare you in foster care classes for what you're supposed to do when you tell your child and they're laying on the floor saying, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. I can't deal with this pain. You know, mm-hmm. the, there's nothing that can prepare you as a parent for having to tell your child that their brother who, I mean, this is for yeah. all intents and purposes, their brother is, is leaving us. And, um, it was, it was devastating for all of them, but I saw God be so faithful and he's been so faithful. And I think for them to have to trust him like never before. And, but then also I, I see that they have this fresh heart of compassion for others. And, um, just recently some friends of ours, their baby died. And I think we all, um, walked it very differently because we felt like we had a little, little sense of the grief, uh, you know, just a tiny mm-hmm. little drop in the bucket, but of some of the grief that they were experiencing. And so it has strengthened us and stretched us, but in a really powerful way. And I'm so grateful. And our home is back open again. And we're all very willing to say yes again. And I, that's, you know, God's 
God's work and we're actually, you know, getting really excited for when's that called going to come and, yeah. you know, we're going to say yes to another baby. So we'll see what God has. Yeah. Ugh. Doesn't it just blow your mind how much can happen in a year? I mean, think of yes. like your whole life and all the things you've worked towards and the things you've overcome and the lessons you've learned. And you, you tend to think of life as kind of a snowball of experiences this is like an avalanche of here for your family. And it just blows my mind. I mean, if you could have looked back, you know, three years ago and you were to know that 2020 would have looked like this, like you would have just thought that was insane. We always talk about, you know, if we were to see our a family picture like a few years yes! ago. Like, who's that boy? Who's picture, that baby? <laughs> we would have just been like, I'm sorry, excuse me, what is going on there? You know, we have two little babies and one of them is a different skin color. I'm so confused right, right now. Right, absolutely. Blows my mind. But oh, that is just such a happy, wonderful time for your family. And, and even though it was not all happiness, it was it was all joy because it was all rooted in, in God's plan for your family. So, oh my gosh, Crystal, I'm just so happy for you. And just as an onlooker and an observer in the way that you've let people in online, I just want to say just the the softness and the open handedness with which I, I, I perceive you've progressed in this last year, especially. I don't know. I've just felt such a connection and such a love for you and such. I just have been cheering you on from afar and I don't know. It just, it just feels like there's just so much humanity and what you're experiencing and so much, there's just so many facets that people can connect to. And I hope you have felt that love and support from people, you know, from the outside. I hope so. Yes. I, you know, it's, it's really humbling because I think of all these people who are praying yeah. for Champ and his mom. Like I Seriously. think, I think of that. And sometimes I feel bad for all these other foster families. <laughs> Cause I want to be like, I feel like I need to spread some of this love around because he's just so loved and people care so much for him. And, you know, I, I hope to get the opportunity someday to just really explain to him his, you know, the, the piece that, we got to play in his story and then also to get to explain to him, you know, what we got to witness of how hard his mom fought for him. Like yeah, that's, yeah. I think like he's just one of the most loved little boys there is. Yeah. On all sides, on all fronts. He just has love coming at him. Imagine what he'll be capable of someday. Like, right. oh, oh, so, so wonderful. So as if you didn't have enough going on, like you said, you know, all this stuff kind of was leading up to the closing down of the world. And then you decided, let me sign a three book deal. And <laughs> Love Centered Parenting is now coming out next month in March. <laughs> yes. You know, it's crazy because I, when I signed, you know, when I said yes to it, I hadn't signed the contract, but I had said yes. So in essence, it was, yeah. um, you know, a done deal and then found out that I was pregnant and if I, if you had told me, okay, so by the way, whenever you're going to be writing this book, you're going to have two babies. Um, I would have said, uh, I think I'm going to pass. It's a little much, this, you know, yeah. and, but yet I can just tell you that God has been so faithful. And I honestly, I don't know how the book got written. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't, when I went to reread it, when it was all done, I let it sit for four weeks and had some people give some input and read through it. And then I went back and reread it from the beginning. And I just kind of sat there in awe going, 
God, you wrote this book. Like you took the little pieces of time that I had. And a lot of it was in the middle of the night. It would be in like little 15 minute segments. Usually I was either nursing or I had a baby on me or had two babies on me for some of it, you know? And I just know that this is what he called me to do because he equipped me to do it. And it's not me. And so I just know any success, anything that God uses its book for, I can't take one bit of the glory for it because it was all him. Like this book just, I felt like it just wrote itself. And it was one of those things where it just, it needed to come out. And it was just this really um, humbling experience to get to be a part of that. Like you just felt like you got to be the hands of Jesus just typing these words because they were just coming out and yeah. you knew that like I didn't have it in me I I was not getting a lot of sleep and I'm caring for two babies and three older kids and yet God was so faithful hello again I wanted to thank another show sponsor that makes this podcast possible and that is Bulldog Yoga so We've all heard how important it is to take care of both our physical and mental health. And the thing I love most about yoga, it is the best way for me to combine both of those things. We're all juggling a lot. And regardless of where you're at in your fitness journey, I feel like yoga has a place, right? And so whether it's increased strength, better flexibility, improved mental focus, all of these things are helped when I do yoga, but sometimes it's hard to get away from your home to do it, especially during this time. So enter Bulldog Yoga. Bulldog Yoga Online is about taking the intimidation out of yoga and replacing it with music, smiles, and no judgment. Bulldog Online is about making yoga fun. Yes, it's actually fun. And Bulldog Streaming Online classes are available on demand anytime, any place. You just need your yoga mat or even a towel on the floor and it's on your schedule. Bulldog even offers classes for kids and teens. You can get the whole family involved in Bulldog. It's so awesome. There's choices for all levels between 12 and 60 minutes. Trust me, if you are looking to incorporate a little more movement into your life, start with Bulldog Yoga. So you can try your first 30 days for free at bulldogonline.com. That's bulldogonline.com. Use code EEP for an additional 50% off your first paid month. Again, that's bulldogonline.com and use code EEP at checkout. Enjoy. Namaste. And here you are, the money-saving mom. And, you know, your persona is about those types of tips and and things like that. But as you've opened up yourself online and everything, I just think this is such a a relevant next season to let people in on. And what I hear a lot from moms is in the early years, there's so much camaraderie that comes from, you know, the woes of potty training and the sleepless nights and, and none of the stories we tell about our kids are are very like incriminating, right? Like we all kind of have very similar experiences and we're there for each other. We have a lot of compassion from each other. And my oldest is turning 11 next week. And so I'm still a little bit um, behind you. But as your kids get older and their their mistakes get bigger, their their problems get harder and more real and more personal, A, you don't want to air, you know, all that, that dirty laundry and, and that personal side to other people because you want to protect them. And B, even when some people do, the criticism and the lack of grace that can come um, from other people who, who start to judge your parenting based upon how your kids are turning out or what your kids are going through, 
have you have you felt that shift along the way and then how did you decide to put out your family's story that is quite vulnerable as your you know especially one child really began to struggle Yes, um, there was a lot of prayer and a lot of thought that went into this story. And I knew, honestly, when we were walking through this journey of my child just really kind of hitting rock bottom, me hitting rock bottom, and um, them just getting expelled from school and being suicidal and us ending up in the ER because they were suicidal and going through all the therapy and the doctor's appointments and all that, Mm. I knew at that time that it was just there was this feeling of, Someday I'm going to share the story. And I remember even saying online a few times if somebody would say, you know, you just don't even understand because you've never had a child that is, you know, your, your kids are just perfect. <laughs> and I remember thinking, someday I'm going to share this story. And, and I just, I knew that, but I just didn't know when the timing was supposed to be. And so we just prayed about that and just waited. And whenever, um, Bethany House came to me and they presented the idea of me writing a book with them and then publishing it. I at first was like, you know, I've written three books. I really didn't plan to write another book. And so, you know, they're like, well, let's just have a phone call. And so we had a phone call. And honestly, after the phone call, I presented to them. I said, you know, I might be open to writing a book at some point, but these are all the things that would need to happen because I just, I, it was too hard in the past when I wrote books and released them because it was just too much of a strain on my business and my family. And I just don't want to do that again. And they were just so gracious to say, well, let's figure out how we can make this work. So it's mm-hmm. not a strain and a stress on you. And, um, so we started talking about that and I said, well, you know, let's, so I, for nine months, I feel like they just kind of courted me for nine months. But during that time period, as I thought about what is the message, what is the book that I would really want to write? And I knew I wanted to write a book sharing the story that God had worked in my heart and really from the perspective of just how God had changed my heart. And so then my husband and I started praying about, well, what would that look like and how much could we share? And that was my big concern. And I actually presented that to them. I said, here's the thing. I want to share this, but I want to share it while respecting my child's privacy and their future. And that's really important to me. And so we talked about that and what that could look like. And then um, we went and we presented it to the kids and we said, you know, here's, here's this opportunity and here's how we were thinking of approaching it. How do you guys feel? And we just really sat in it and talked with them and had a lot of conversations and waited a while and um, they just all felt a piece about it and they really gave their permission for me to share. And then in the writing process, they were involved in the writing process and anything that I was sharing about them. There's one chapter in particular that really focuses on one child and another chapter in particular that really focuses on another child. And I had them help me to make sure that they felt like everything that I said was exactly in line with what actually took place. And then also what they felt through that process and what they felt comfortable with me sharing. And so I'm really grateful for their willingness for me to share because I know that it is a very vulnerable sort of thing. And, um, at the same time, I feel like that a lot of moms feel really alone because a lot of moms aren't talking about what yeah. they're going through with their kids. And, you know, I feel like that it it's hard to know, especially in this age of social media, how much do you put out there? How much do you share? It's helpful that I have three kids and 
they're not all the same gender. So you can kind of use they and you can write it in a way that nobody can really figure out who is who. So that that helps. If I only had one, it it probably wouldn't be as easy. But totally. But still just really wanted to respect them and thinking long term, you know. Yeah. Well, that shows a lot of maturity in your kids um, and their understanding about the purpose of their life. The purpose of our lives is not to go through this life in a vacuum and to hide or to to live in shame, but it really is to to be to become you know the most Christ-like version of ourselves that we can be, and to help others along the way. And by sharing, you know, in this case, some really low moments, that will really help others to be freed up and be like the pains? No way. Oh, them too? Us too? Okay. And as soon as you get that, you just realize like it just, it just brings light to it and there can just be no, no more darkness in that. I know that you've talked about, and in the book you talk about like how much your parenting had to, has transitioned over the years and how it was more parent focused and, you know, da, 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 follow in line kind of thing to this love centered parenting. And I'm curious here, you were sitting in a principal's office facing a situation of expulsion that you probably never dreamed this would be us sitting there or in the emergency room when your child was was really struggling to the depths of their soul. And it's tough to go back. But what would you say to parents that want to set themselves up in this love-centered parenting even before it gets to those types of depths? And even if they're in the depth, how, how to proceed out of it with that hope? You know, I think one thing that I have realized is that a lot of moms are carrying around so much burden on their back that, that God never put on them. Hmm. And we feel like it's up to us to raise these really well-rounded perfect, not perfect, but really close to perfect kids who excel (laughs) academically and, you know, get a good job and have good character and love Jesus. And it was fascinating when I was reading, when I was writing the book, I um, posted on Instagram and I asked people to fill in the blank on my Instagram stories. Um, My job as a parent is to blank. And I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses to that. And it was really interesting because I would say that 98 to 99% of the responses were things that you have no control over. Mm. And a lot of it was, you know, my job as a parent is to raise kids who love Jesus and make good choices. Or my job as a parent is to raise upstanding citizens who make a difference in the world. And while those are great ideals, you ultimately are not in control of that. You cannot save your child. You cannot, you know, always make sure that your child makes the best choices. And newsflash, your child is going to make mistakes just like you do. (laughs) And I think because if we feel like that is our job as a parent, then we're going to constantly be under this weight of stress and guilt because it's never going to be enough. They're never going to quite achieve the level of what we think they're supposed to be. And a lot of times we're also going to 
feel that we're failing and we're going to then probably be more nitpicky with them and trying to bubble wrap and overprotect and control and fix because we're like, well, this is my job and my job performance is on the line. And if you don't make good choices, then I've failed as a parent. And so we're putting all this on ourselves that then we put on our kids and it just causes so much stress. And I just want to encourage moms, you are free lay it down. God did not ask you to raise perfect children. Your job is not to have these children who always make the right choices. Your job is to walk with your kids well and to love them well. And so God is not asking perfection of you or your kids. All he's asking is that you're faithful and that you love them well. And so the subtitle of the book, The No-Fail Guide to Launching Your Kids, a lot of people are like, what? Hold up. Like, how can you claim that sort of premise and promise? And really, it's because if you're faithful and you love your kids well, you can't fail. Yeah. It doesn't Because it doesn't matter how your kids turn out. Their choices are not what matters. It's that you were faithful and that you walked with them and loved them well. And then there's this, you can release them to the Lord. He loves, he loves them even more than you love them. And so I think with foster care, this is the thing that I've had to learn. I I ultimately, I can't control what happens with champ. I can't control his mom could tomorrow decide that we never have any contact with him again. There's nothing that I can do about that. But, and with the choices that were made with DCS, you know, I didn't have control and it was so good for me to realize, I kind of think that I do have some control over my kids. Now, obviously, you know, it's, I want to make sure they're fed and clothed and, you know, get the places that they need to be. But I, I feel like I have more control than I do Mm -hmm. and I don't. And ultimately to just release that and to say, I just want to love you well. And I think it's really helped me in my parenting to change how I approach things. Just for instance, a few days ago, one of my kids was really struggling. And four years ago when I was in that, like it's my job to control and fix my kids and make sure they do the right thing sort of mentality. I, I would have responded to my child being like, buck up. What's your problem? You need to change your attitude and just start acting nice. Stop it. Like, why are you acting like this? But is that going to really help anything in the long run? No, it's going to shut my child down. It's going to shame them. And it's basically going to say, your feelings don't matter. Suck it up, stuff it down and move on. And we're not addressing the root. And so when this was happening a few days ago, I just, I stopped and I just cried out to the Lord and said, God, just help me to love this child well. What does that look like? And so then to just lean in and love them. And I realized, you know, I haven't spent a lot of one-on-one time with them recently. And I think maybe they're crying out for that and they need their love tank filled up. And so I just, I said to them, I said, Hey, could we this afternoon? And I list off a few things that they really like to do. And just spending that time with them, Mm. it was as if their whole attitude and outlook on life changed just because instead of me telling them to just, you know, buck up and stop (laughs) acting like this, I said, I care about you and I want to spend time with you because you're important to me. And, um, and so it's just really living in that space of recognizing how much we're loved by God. And I talk a lot about this in the book and getting to that place and working through the lies that I believed and replacing those lies with truth and then living out of that truth and living as love and letting God's love flow through us to our kids because we can't give what we don't have. 
And so if we're going to try to love our kids well, when we don't believe that we are loved by God, we're going to constantly feel like we're failing because we don't really have a lot to give them. And so really spending that time and prioritizing, filling ourselves up with truth and the truth of who we are in Christ and living out of that truth and living as love, it changes our whole demeanor. It changes our whole approach and it allows us to no longer have to try to micromanage and bubble wrap and fix our kids and overprotect them, but to live with our hands open and just say, I want to walk with you well today and just crying out to God, help me to know what that looks like today in this moment. Gosh. And it makes me think like, as you're describing that version of parenting, that just sounds so much more desirable than a lot of the ways that we, we usually do it. And isn't it amazing that so many of us cling to parenting in a way that we've always parented, even if it's not working well for us, right? We're afraid yes. to change the system or to, you know, try something new. And yet what we're doing currently is not yielding the results that we want. So why are we clinging so tightly to those rules or to whatever that, that premise is for our parenting playbook? And why not try something new and, and the what the life that you described in in de-escalating a hard situation by simply spending time in an enjoyable way with your kids? What? Like that's it? <laughs> that, why why not try that? And I I, I wanna kind of wrap up um piggybacking on what you just said. So as if somebody's listening and they want to transition into this love-centered way of parenting, into this relational focused parenting versus a rules-based parenting, is this a conversation you have with your kid ahead of time or is it something you naturally just start to implement? Because I've heard from some people, you know, when their usual go-to is yelling and then suddenly you know, they hear of, you know, a positive parenting technique where, you know, maybe they just need proximity. And so you just walk over and hug them. And the kid's like, what are you doing? <laughs> or like, oh, I hear you. Tell me more. And they're like, wait, you know, you're supposed to yell at me. Like, this is the way it goes. Yeah. How do you even make that transition without it feeling weird? You know, I think it is a process and it's not going to happen overnight. Okay. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to read this book and then you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be this love center parent. Yeah. I know for me, it took me months and months of really undoing those lies that I believed in my head and replacing those lies with truth and then camping in that truth and living out of that truth and then letting that flow through me to my kids and how I parented. And I, you're going to make mistakes and... I think one of the biggest things is to be willing to own up to that and leading with humility. There's a whole chapter on that because I think that is so important. And so I would say it really depends upon the age of your child, but if your kids are older and you feel like, you know, and I'd say by older, I'm saying like, you know, if they're five or six and they're old enough to realize, you know, mom's mom has yelled at me and that's hurt me. I mean, even if they're three or four, you can do this, but I think to go back to our kids and say, you know, I realize that I have been yelling a lot and that is not how I want to parent. I don't want to be yelling and I'm probably going to make some mistakes and I'm probably going to yell some in the future, but I want you to know that this is something that I'm working on and will you please forgive me for yelling at you in the past and hurting you? And if there's some specific examples from recently, you know, to, to call those out and to ask forgiveness for those specific things that you did. And then to, you know, say, you know, can you, 
can you help me to stay accountable? You know, even asking for them to help you keep accountable to this. And that's scary to put that out there. But I think we need accountability and our kids, for them to see that we're processing through these things, we're working through these things, we're not perfect. I think sometimes parents are afraid to admit their shortcomings to their kids because they feel like, well, you know, it's important for my kid to respect me and so I need to have it together. And I think one of the most, um, the biggest gifts that we can give our kids is the willingness to admit when we're wrong and to ask forgiveness and to own up to our mistakes and to let them see that we have to rely upon the Lord too and to model that for them. And so I think also then I would just say that starting to just pay attention to how you're responding, I think that can be one of the biggest things and to not expect that this is going to change overnight. It's going to be a slow and gradual process, but starting with paying attention to how you're responding and then asking yourself why. So if you want to lash out at your child, you know, just pay attention. I want to lash out at my child right now. And then to say, why? Like, why am I wanting to lash out? And you might not know right then, but really taking the time to, to step back and ask yourself that a lot of times you're going to realize some very, very important truths that you didn't see before because you just never stopped to ask yourself why. And it might be for me, it was because I care about my reputation. I care what other people think about me and I want to be a good mom and I want to look good to others. And so when my child does something, I am immediately going to, oh no, if they do that at school, that is going to cause a problem and the teachers are going to think I'm a bad parent. And so I need to correct this right now instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, saying, I wonder why they are acting like that right now. I wonder what's going on. Let's see if there's a way that we can kind of get to the root of this and what's underneath the surface and how can I lean in and love them and how can I walk with them? And maybe they just need me to sit and listen to them or just step into their world or, you know, what does this look like for me to walk with them in this? Um, and I think just so stopping and taking a beat to ask ourselves why and to pay attention to what we're feeling and kind of try to get to the root of things. And then sending up in my book, I talk about flare prayers, sending up a flare prayer, just like, you know, (laughs) spirit, I need your help right now. I really want to lash out at my child and I need your help. It just, to stop and to pay attention to that and to acknowledge that to our, you know, there's nothing wrong. And sometimes with my kids, I'll be like, you know what? I'm feeling really irritated right now. And so I think probably it'd be really good for me to just have a little bit of time in my room, quiet. And you know, they're so good usually because right. it's like, they don't want me to be no. irritated. With them. They don't want me to be <laughs> upset with them. So for me to acknowledge, here's what I need right now. And you know, we can't always get that, but a lot of times you know, just to acknowledge it to their, to our kids. I think that that's modeling for them of I'm aware of what I'm feeling and here's what I need to do in order to this to not escalate in a bad direction. And so just starting to do that. And then I think also one of the biggest things is, which I talk a lot about in the book, is really recognizing how much we're loved by God and really receiving that love and sitting in that space of how much we are loved and replacing those lies with truth and living out of that truth and living as loved. One of the questions that I encourage you to ask is how would loved me live? How would loved me react? If you truly believed to the core of your soul that you are loved by God, how would that change how you respond? How would that change how you parent? And to just start asking yourself those questions and then start acting as loved because you are loved. And so again, it's not a quick fix. 
It's a long process. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to need to ask forgiveness, but that is part of the sanctification process. Right. And I love how you combined that it's not just about then our kids responding differently to us. It's about us working on ourselves and and identifying those triggers in ourselves. So many times we look at our kids for what's underneath what they're going through or what their behavior is looking like. But to then turn the table and say, what is this bringing out in me? What's this tapping into? What nerve is this hitting in me? That is next level parenting. And to figure that out is a superpower. So I know that everybody, I mean, this has been the best book pitch (laughs) ever because I mean, it just, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what's in love centered parenting. And it's not a a no fail step-by-step. If you do these things, you'll have the perfect kid. It is, it is something so much greater and deeper of an outcome than that. And I think for all of us listening, we have extraordinary moms listening. We all want our kids to feel safe and loved for exactly who they are through every phase and stage of their life. And I think your story will serve as a reminder that you can get through anything. You can love kids through anything. And ultimately... They, they will start behaving differently when they feel that love from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Crystal, where can people find you online? And of course, where can they get the book? So I would love for people to follow me on Instagram. That's my favorite place to hang out. I am the money saving mom on Instagram and I'm very active on stories. Uh-huh. Um, you never know what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> always something. Um, and then also the book is available wherever books are sold, Amazon, um, christianbook.com, bookshop.org, or your local bookstores. Awesome. I always ask my guests one final question, and maybe it's changed since the last time, Crystal. I don't know. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? I would tell my pre-motherhood self that it's going to be harder than you ever imagined, and it's going to be more wonderful than you could ever dream. Yeah. That's lovely. Crystal, congratulations on all the babies, all the books, (laughs) and we will for sure pick it up and we're cheering your family on and, and praying for you and loving you from afar. Thank you for sharing today. Thank you so much. Don't you just love that? And I love when a guest is able to come back. I think it's been about two years since Crystal and I last spoke and her life looks dramatically different. They've experienced a lot as a family, and she has new insights to offer. And it just shows you how we're never done growing and learning as moms. And we're not going to navigate this road perfectly all the time, but there's such immense learning that can happen along each and every stage. And our kids are part of the teaching process for us. Isn't that awesome? And even as of this morning, I hopped on Instagram and Crystal has welcomed a new little foster guy into their family, a little baby with Down syndrome and some other medical issues. And it is a busy, busy time as her new book, Love Centered Parenting, is launching next week. But she continues to say yes to the things she feels led and called to do. And I hope we can all have that strength. Best of luck and all of our prayers and love to you, Crystal. All right, if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Everything will be linked at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. And I'm recording this with this pinching nerve feeling in my back, and I'm hoping my doctor's appointment this afternoon 
will give me some insight into how much longer, how much longer I have to get to. But I'm getting close, guys. So follow along on Instagram at JessicaDahlquist3 for all the baby updates. I will keep you posted over there. And we'll see you next week. I'm going to have one more episode and then take my maternity leave. But we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.